her. Good morning and welcome to episode 256 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller. Hi. Hello. Uh, and I'm wondering what your A-Rod confidence level is on this Thursday morning. Well, it's not good. I, I'm trying to figure out if he were to appeal whether the Yankees would play along Mm -hmm. or if the Yankees would conspire to keep him off the field anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say my confidence level is about one and a half percent. (laughs) Yeah, that that sounds sounds about right right now. Down from, what was it, 15 when I asked you a couple days ago? Yeah, and down from (laughs) 80 or 90 a couple weeks ago. Yeah, falling fast. so we weren't sure exactly what to talk about today, but we spent the day writing about trades and waiting for trades to happen. Uh, in the end, not all that many of them did, but um, I guess we're going to talk about trades, maybe. Um, and we didn't really want to do a, a winners and losers so much, so we're <laughs> so we're going to do. Teams that did well and teams that did less well. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> um, or we can do uh, biggest biggest upgrade, maybe. Or uh, like a, just a favorite trade, just a trade that, you, that you're fond of. Um, so so I, I opened <laughs> up, uh, we have a, a blog post at BP where we listed and linked to all of the transaction analysis stuff that we've uh-huh. done this month. So I'm, I'm looking at that and scanning down the list and i'm supposed to tell you the trade that i uh i i like the most yeah i I guess yeah if you have from one team's perspective yeah um i guess i like um gosh this this feels a lot like a winners this feels a lot like saying winners does feel dangerously like that it does feel like we're doing winners and losers (laughs) um so what maybe we are that's what that's what the people want I would say I like the Braves getting Scott Downs for nothing. Yeah, I like that too. That might be my favorite move, and I guess that's telling. I guess that tells you all you need to know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I like that move because I don't know whether it's because he's not a capital C closer type uh, or what, but he's one of the, the more consistent, effective relievers out there, one of the best at getting lefties out, and they... Really didn't give up much. They gave up kind of a, a potential right-handed middle reliever, maybe uh, Corey Rasmus. So that that seemed like a, a good move because I, I guess one of my favorite moves was the the Jose Veras trade from the Astros' perspective. Um, and I I guess it I mean it, it gets kind of tiresome to keep praising the Astros for getting rid of all their players. Like I feel like. Uh, I don't know. At some point, I, I I'm looking forward to being able to to praise them for for acquiring someone someday. Um, but but the Varus trade is uh, it seems like a good one. I mean, when they when they signed him, it it sort of seemed like he was just a very generic reliever uh, with no real closing experience or anything, and they just kind of turned him into a closer for half a season, and he happened to pitch very well uh and they didn't have to spend a lot of money on him or anything um and they turned him into a a a pretty promising prospect it sounds like someone who 
who could potentially be a, a regular someday. Yeah, the clever thing was figuring out to get Jose Veras in the first place. You yeah, know, you, you really only get one shot at this. I mean, you might, you maybe get two. You you can, you can maybe squeeze in two closer experiments before the trade trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you get one shot to go pick some uh, n- nondescript arm uh, who you know you can pay eight hundred thousand dollars or whatever for a year and tell him he's going to get you know a few save opportunities but not many because you're terrible mm-hmm. and he's he's got a pitch you know at, if not better than he did before at least superficially better mm-hmm. and they they did it they they hit they hit on a 32 year old who's never done anything yeah uh, so that's kind of kind of impressive and maybe i don't know if it's kind of lucky or not but probably kind of uh, i mean he's not you normally expect this kind of guy to be a former closer who is mm-hmm. kind of fallen on hard times so like you might have expected them to uh, engineer for for francisco rodriguez before the season started sort of a thing mm-hmm. uh you know get a guy who is just needs to reclaim the the, the proven closer status mm-hmm. uh but ferris was not an obvious one but no uh and it, i mean he was that guy over the last three seasons i mean in each of the three last three seasons he had a 3.6 or 7 or 8 something era um, which I mean, if you if you stick that guy in the closer role, he will he'll save the game most of the time. Uh, but he actually got he got quite a bit better. He cut his yes, walk rate. In yeah, half. he did. Which yeah, so that that part is surprising. Um, he had never had he had never had a walk rate below four point three in mm-hmm. a season, and uh, you know this year he's had good control. Yeah, it's hard uh, to predict that. So yeah, it's thirty two. I don't know whether that's just a lotto ticket that that came out well or or whether they felt like they could fix him somehow um but yeah i like that move uh and we we talked about recently about how the cubs just kind of signed people with the intention of trading them uh and did trade quite a few of them and the astros weren't so active on the free agent market they didn't really they didn't really pursue the same strategy but with him they did i guess um and it, it seems to have worked out well. Yeah, the thing about this trade deadline is that uh, everybody spent the last, uh, you know, after after it passed, everybody talked, and even before, everybody talked about how it was the most boring trade deadline, and there were no moves, and nobody was being, you know, th- there were no good rumors, although there were, but, you mm-hmm. know, not as many. And um, the idea is that, that, you know, I think that the narrative that even we've talked about and that has been generally embraced is that, um, something having to do with the second wild card, something having to do with extensions, um, has made teams less willing to sell. And I actually think I'm reconsidering that. I think that it was the opposite. I think that, and I don't know why it was the opposite, but I think the problem was on the uh, on the the buyer's end. Mm. I don't think there were teams buying this year because you look at the you know the Angels, for instance. Uh, they don't have any illusions about what they're going to be able to do. And, uh, they didn't really, I mean, they had Howie Kendrick, who is a, you know, phenomenal trade piece. And I mean, obviously they're not giving him up for nothing. They're going to give him up only for something that, you know, is a lot, but you never really heard any traction on that trade. You didn't hear a lot of traction on a lot of guys who were known to be available. And, um, I don't know why the, the buyers weren't there, but, I kind of think that that's what it was, and so that's why I, I'm sort of impressed with the Astros because, um, as Grant Brisby pointed out, they probably got the biggest prospect haul in this 
you know, if not at the whole deadline, mm-hmm. um, at least in the last few days, maybe the Cubs did with the Garza trade alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did it with really nothing interesting mm-hmm. at all. Like Bud Norris is really un- like if Bud Norris were on any team but the Astros and he didn't start opening day, mm-hmm. he would be really like probably wouldn't have gotten much notice at all. Um, like, you know, he's he's basically maybe Phil Hughes, right? He's mm-hmm. not he's not good. And yet um, that he was their best trade piece. Uh, Maxwell is a pretty generic corner outfielder. And Varus is, you know, he's nothing. He's a right handed relief pitcher who, uh, you know, yeah, he's got saves. But I don't think that I think that we're probably in an era that we're kind of past that. Um, so. Uh, they managed to turn you know nothing into a pretty good crop of prospects, and I think a lot of teams probably were shopping guys around, trying to do the same thing and being unable to. I mean, I don't, I don't like everybody's ripping on the Mariners for not doing anything. I don't think the Mariners have any illusions about what they are. They, they're, uh, you know, they're twelve and a half games out of the division. They're I think eight and a half out of the second wild card spot behind like six other teams mm-hmm. and i mean I, I really have a hard time thinking that the mariners are are thinking oh yeah no we really we're still in it we're we're buyers the, i my suspicion is that they just genuinely it was hard to pull anything off even if you had guys available uh, you know the giants certainly uh you know there's no reason to keep javier lopez unless it's to i don't know if they just figure out what the heck we'll just commit to the world series core forever and they plan to re-sign everybody but um you know, the, it doesn't feel to me like there was a lack of team selling. There were, like, if you scroll through MLB trade rumors mm-hmm. uh, over the last three days, like, there's a million guys named. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were guys available. Uh, maybe they were being, maybe maybe the price was high, but the price has traditionally been high. Teams overpay at the trade deadline. That's just been, a, you know, a fact of the trade deadline history. Teams always overpay, uh, or they always have historically. Um, so yeah, that's all. What do you think of that? Uh, well, is it possible that some of those players who were reputed to be available were just, they were semi-available, like, uh, if you blew them away, they would maybe part with them, but, but a team like the Angels, even as you say, if they're under no illusions about competing this year, they're still thinking about doing so next year, right? I mean, but they are, yeah, and so Howie Kendrick So Kendrick not, seems, I mean, he's, he's a... Important part of that, right? So it's true. It's Kendrick's not necessarily the best example, Um, but I just think generally speaking, there are there is a very large right now that at this point in the season, as we talked about on, I don't know if we talked about it on a show or if we just chit chatted about it, but there's like something like eight teams right now that are between one playoff one percent and ninety percent playoff odds. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everybody is settled and. Just it, it's it sort of defies belief that these teams that are under one percent don't realize that and aren't shopping guys around and and that they have some like sort of oh well there's two wild cards so we're still in it kind of delusion I I just really have a hard time believing that. So is there any team then with the caveat that we don't really know who was talking to who or trying to do what? Uh, is there any team that you do feel like really missed an opportunity? Like I don't know. Do you feel like? Uh, Say the Pirates not getting anyone except Robert Andino. Um, is that is that a big missed opportunity? I mean, there were rumors that they were really trying to get Giancarlo Stanton. 
and they were talking about Alex Rios and, and various other players. Um, and they seemed like a team that that probably should should do something. Uh, and I, I thought that a couple of years ago they they did a good job of kind of uh, like kind of being buyers, but not really just being buyers just enough to to placate their fans who really wanted them to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were in kind of a tough spot because they hadn't won in forever. And so when they had a, a good first half, naturally all their fans wanted to to see them try to stay in it. But they kind of knew that that they weren't actually as good as they had been to that point. So they they sort of like, you know, they got Derek Lee uh, and someone else of that ilk and just kind of didn't really give up anything and were just nominal buyers and uh, didn't hurt themselves in the long term. So I thought that was that was smart. Um but they seem like a team that could could use some things this year in that they've they've been great but probably aren't quite this great um, and had a, a couple holes where they could probably upgrade uh, and had the prospects to get deals done. So is there is there a team, either the Pirates or, I don't know, the Phillies or anyone else who just stood pat who you felt like that wasn't such a great thing? Uh, the Pirates are tricky because they're um i mean they're 99 percent likely to make the playoffs right now Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's that'll be kind of an unqualified success and uh you know i mean it's been so long since they've even had a winning season that um while it would be wonderful and it would be magical if they won a world series um i i feel like the the incentives for them are uh, don't really support them necessarily going for it this year because they like they're they're just not going to get that much more out of winning a playoff series than they are from getting to the playoffs. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like they're going to they're going to capture virtually all the goodwill that you can capture with the very first postseason game, mm-hmm. and you know so there's like declining rewards for each additional playoff game that they win and and they don't have to really worry about missing the playoffs they're they're going to make the playoffs it's just not it's not a concern mm-hmm. um so uh yeah i mean i do think that as you know like as we talked about with the nationals they there might be a, they might be falling into the trap of thinking well we're playing well and we're young so we're going to play well for many years and therefore you know we should we should have this long window you might be right because it's very likely that they'll win 78 games next year and then they'll start, you know, like breaking things down and then who knows what they'll be going forward. Uh, it might be best, but I don't know. I don't feel that there's that much pressure on them mm-hmm. uh, to try to to improve right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the Mariners maybe are the team that I would have thought should have sold that didn't that it just seemed pretty obvious that they should have sold just because of the sort of type of player that they have right now performing well for them mm-hmm. um and uh so i guess i i would probably ding them but i don't know like i don't i, I don't know that i'm dinging anybody today i i <laughs> i didn't find any of the trades particularly uh lopsided uh-huh. or weird um i didn't find everybody seemed to hate kevin towers for his move, <laughs> which I, I didn't bother nothing me. Nothing new. <laughs> yeah, it, and it didn't really bother me. And everybody hated the Royals for their uh, move getting Maxwell, and I thought that that was perfectly legitimate. If I, if I wouldn't ding either side in that trade, but if I were going to ding either side, I, I almost kind of think that the Astros side is more questionable. I mean, um, you know, Maxwell to me 
is, as I wrote in the transaction analysis, Maxwell's basically had 500 plate appearances in the last two years, which is a red flag. So let's just acknowledge that right there. He has 500 plate appearances in the last two years. But that's, you know, that's basically a full season. It's less than a full season. He's got 2.7 warp in that time. He's extremely versatile. Um, so even if the the level of play drops, he's got a lot of different uses for a, a team that wants roster flexibility. And it just seems to me that a, uh, you know, Kyle Smith um, is unlikely to produce 2.7 warp in his career. So <coughs> Maxwell... Um, you know, it's it might be sort. It, I don't know. Maybe it's arguably a weird fit, but um, you know, he's not. He, he hasn't even hit arbitration yet. It's mm-hmm. like it. It does seem maybe like a little extreme that the Astros are trading pre-arb guys like their trade deadline rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found maybe I found that the the, the strangest move, uh, and from the Astros' perspective. Well, uh, what about the Royals non-selling? Um, I mean, they, they kind of had a recent little hot streak and they went a game above 500, but they were still one of those teams that was in the, the one to 2% playoff percentage range, uh, uh-huh. with some, some guys like urban Santana say, who seemed like pretty good trade candidates. Um, so did they fall into that, that Mariners bucket? They probably did objectively speaking, but I, my guess is just that they don't, um, my guess is that they just probably aren't looking at that playoff percentage, and they've convinced themselves that they're higher than that. That you know, I don't, I don't think that they think that they're like a favorite or anything. Um, but uh, you know, they've got a lot. It's certainly Dayton Moore personally, but I mean, as a franchise, they've got a lot riding in this being a good season. I mean, they, yes. they are, they invested a lot in this year. They, uh, you know, might be wise to consider at some costs and move forward thinking about the future, but. It's hard for humans to do that, and the fact is they're four and a half behind the second wild card. There's not really a good team in the American League, it feels like, other than the Rays and the Red Sox, and uh, it's it feels to me that if you're on an eight-game winning streak, you're somewhat justified in thinking that you're a pretty good team and can hang with a bunch of flawed teams. Um, it's I mean, it, basically, they have to gain four and a half games on... The Indians, who aren't a powerhouse, although they're also winning. Uh, the Orioles, who aren't a powerhouse. The Yankees, who are should be, I don't know how they're doing so well. Mm-hmm. And um, and the Rangers, who are about to lose Nelson Cruz and were perhaps a seller today. So uh, it's a weird. I mean, that's a weird jumble. And I don't. Per, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I don't really begrudge them that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know. There's a. One of the interesting things about the Royals is that because we hate all the moves they make all the time, mm-hmm. uh, like the players that they have who are doing well are guys who we have previously hated. Like <laughs> Irvin Santana is a guy that nobody likes. I mean, that's why he's on the Royals, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's Irvin Santana. So it feels like they should be trading Irvin Santana when he pitches well because, uh, you know, what are the odds that he'll do it again? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, probably they should have. But I mean, you know, they're. They're over 500, and then the Royals. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge them this little, this little dream they have. <laughs> and it's a, it's a really bad league right now. Yeah, that's that's not a, a strong assortment of teams ahead of them there. Um, yeah, I, I almost uh, brought up Kevin Towers as a topic on the show recently, just kind of revisiting all the moves that everyone hated over the winter that mostly haven't haven't worked out so so poorly for them. Um, and it seems like this deal, the, the Kennedy trade kind of 
violates, uh, I don't know, two, two maxims of trading, which is not to trade a starter for relievers and not to trade someone who's whose value is kind of at a low, uh, who's who's having a, a very poor season after some good seasons. Um, and so just instinctively, that that seems like a, a strange move. But I thought uh, RJ made a, a pretty good case in, in his in his analysis of the trade that it that it does kind of make sense, even though it violates those those two maxims. Uh, Kennedy really isn't isn't worth getting worked up about. Uh, maybe we're still thinking of him as the the 2011 pitcher who won 20 whatever games. Yeah, I I basically I think RJ made a good point, and RJ's point is that buying low is a um, you know as a as a uh, uh, you know kind of I don't know what, what's the word uh, a- axiom or mm-hmm. whatever uh, maxim. What is the word? What I, is the word I'm going for? Uh, idiom? I, uh, not idiom. Malaprop. Don't think so. Uh, anyway, axiom. Uh, axiom does work. Axiom, axiom is the word, right? Did I even say axiom yet? Uh, yes, you said it once. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what was I talking about, Ben? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the, RJ's point was that um, we tend to think that buying low is is by nature a bad thing, but in fact, uh, if the stock is going to go lower, you should sell it. It doesn't matter how much you in, you bought it for. It doesn't matter if it's lower than that. If you have reason to believe it's going to go even lower, that that is the time to sell. You want to buy things that are, you know, going up. You don't particularly care if they've gone up or gone down. Um, and I, I don't know that I see enough of a of a difference in in Kennedy's um, underlying performance to really believe that he is uh, he has regressed this much. But the other point that RJ made, uh, or I guess the speculation maybe that RJ made, which is just that. The Diamondbacks probably weren't going to tender him a contract yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. If you accept that, if you start with that premise, um, then you know, sure, move him. Getting getting anything from him is good. And then, you know, Jeff Sullivan wrote that it feels like a trade where you know he didn't get enough teams involved, and like he sort of uh, jokingly said, it feels like the team where he forgot that there was more than uh, the kind of trade where he forgot that there was more than one team in the league. Uh-huh. Um, and you know that maybe that's true, but we don't. I mean. Presumably, Kevin Towers didn't do that. He's been a GM for a long time. And people said the same thing about the Justin Upton trade, where they said, well, geez, how is that all he could get for Justin Upton? He shopped Justin Upton around for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So presumably, we don't actually know what every offer is going to be. And, you know, presumably, uh, you know, you, you, weigh, you weigh each, I think you have to weigh each trade on its merits and say, does this trade, uh, you know, make make the team better or worse, and you can't hype. You know, get it all hypothetical about what trades might have been out there. You have to assume that that they're not out there. I mean, unless you hear otherwise, uh, you have to assume they're not out there. You know, what was a crazy move that that didn't happen, but was rumored, and I wonder if if it actually was was out there is uh, the Cardinals offering Carlos Martinez to the White Sox for Alexi Ramirez, mm. which that sounds like a completely bananas. Uh, trade to turn down. I can't, I can't imagine why yeah. they wouldn't. I mean, Alexi Ramirez is borderline with his contract right now. So mm-hmm. if you could get Carlos Martinez for that, that sounds insane. So yeah, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, there are a lot of. There's always one move like that uh, where I, I forget there was one over the winter that we talked about. I think it was like the 
maybe the A's in and in, in involved uh, Brett, Brett, Anderson. Brett Anderson and Will Myers, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, there's always one of those where it seems like maybe some signals got crossed on the way to the the rumor mill or something. Yeah, just... if it sounds if it sounds that weird, it's probably best to assume that it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, we know that most of this stuff didn't, or a huge percentage of it is flawed. So probably the stuff that sounds least believable is actually the least believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just got an email uh, from a scout who was sending me some quotes for our, our scout quote series, which will be up on Thursday. Uh, and he said that uh, his favorite move of the deadline is the Alberto Cayaspo trade, which you, you wrote for about. For which team? For which team? Uh, for, for Oakland. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I... Um, I, that kind of felt to me, that kind of felt like a dud on both ends. That might be the one trade where I don't really get either team's, uh, uh position. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think I ultimately concluded that, um, that the most, the most rational way to look at it is that the A's feel like they can trade Kiaspo for more this off season mm-hmm. with a weak third base market and more time to shop him and perhaps more buyers, um, that, which is, I mean, obviously that's a very speculative thing to say, and if you have to speculate that much to to see how it pays off, I mean, I I don't have, I don't have uh, any confidence whatsoever in Kiaspo at second base. I think he he could be a negative twenty fielder there. Mm-hmm. Um, we sh- I I feel like we should acknowledge, or or I should, uh, the PV trade for Boston, which I felt like was a was a pretty good move. Uh, can't really find much wrong with that. Um, not that I'm a big fan of PV at this point. Uh, I mean, he could be on the DL tomorrow, but as long as he's not, he's, he's making a reasonable amount of money. And it was just kind of a case where the Red Sox had money to spend, uh, and they were really in the, the sweet spot where every win counts because they're, they're neck and neck with Tampa Bay who didn't have the same sort of money to spend. And so they, Traded, uh, I guess they sold high on Iglesias. Um, he hasn't hit in a month or so, so they could have sold higher. But, but sort of, sort of sold him to a team that was in a, a desperate spot where they in a really, pickle. Yeah, in a pickle. Would absolutely. you say in a pickle? Definitely in a pickle. Uh, really needed a, a shortstop because of Peralta's uh, impending suspension, and kind of took advantage of that and um and traded a guy who has never hit before and may not ever hit again um, and could still be an asset just because he's so good defensively, but they seem to have plenty of, of replacements for him or plenty of uh, players who are just as good or better at the upper levels on the left side of the infield. So uh, it, it seems like a like a pretty, pretty good move to me. Um, they're they're without Buckholtz for another month or so in the the best case scenario really, uh, so they they fill that spot with PV and they don't really give up a whole lot in the short term or the long term. Is uh, is he going to be rookie of the year? Is Iglesias going to be rookie of the year? <sighs> uh, last time I looked, he was just kind of the leader by default because <laughs> there just weren't any any good AL rookies really. Uh, I mean, there there were like several NL rookies who would probably be better candidates than the the top guy in the AL. Um, I guess Will Myers is going to have yeah. two months to to make a push, but yes. yeah, there's no. I mean, it's assuming that these guys are actually rookie eligible as they're listed. 
there's Yan Gomes, David Lowe, uh, Leonis Martin, mm. <coughs> uh, Nick Franklin, <coughs> and uh, Myers and Iglesias. So yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I was. I just asked because I was wondering if anybody's ever been traded during a rookie of the year season. I don't know. Um, and I, I didn't really love the, uh, I didn't really love that move from Detroit's perspective. It sort of seemed like a move that they had to make, but uh, gave up Garcia, who, who seems likely to, to become a better player than Iglesias. Um, this, well, the scout, they... the scout who just emailed me uh, included Iglesias and said, "I thought this was a great acquisition for Detroit." I don't think he has suddenly developed into an even below average offensive player, but I'm not so sure that the Tigers care. He is a defender of the highest caliber, and he fills a major hole should rumors of the Peralta deal prove true. He shores up the left side of the infield almost single-handedly thanks to tremendous lateral range and quickness and a strong, accurate arm, and that could make all the difference in the world for Detroit in tight October games. Yeah, they uh, there are very, very few things predictable in baseball, but if you have elite shortstop defense, that's pretty much as certain as it gets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get bad suddenly, barring an injury, and uh, you're not going to be phased out of your position. You could be an elite defender at any position, really. Um, and uh, the Tigers have had, uh, and and I never figured out if this was the Tigers or if it was something about their infield, but they've had like terrible BABIPs on grounders for, for many, 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 many years. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, just defensively, it's, it's, it, as big a defensive upgrade as, as almost as any one guy could make at any position in any team in baseball. Yeah, and we we talked recently about how the Tigers uh, <coughs> are hurt less by their bad defense than than almost any other team would be, just because they strike out so many batters that they allow fewer balls in play. But the the balls that they do allow tend to be grounders. I think they I wrote that they had the the highest ground ball rate in the American League. So. That seems like something that could pay off for Doug Fister and Porcello and, and anyone else who gets grounders on that staff. Um, maybe, Jose Veras. <laughs> right. And maybe it's... It'll pay off for Jose Veras. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of like the, the Nomar-Orlando uh, Cabrera trade in a way, except that, except that they're not trading away Peralta. They're just losing him through no fault of their own. Um, so is there a... What what would you say is the the biggest short term upgrade for the rest of this season, regardless of whether you think it's it's a good move in the long term or not? Of the of the trades that happened, you're not asking me. Yes, guess. of the <laughs> ones that that happened in the last I don't know week uh, or two. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, eh, 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 eh. Eh, this I don't I can't answer that. This is awful. <laughs> There's no good players. Yeah, I, if if we can go back to to Garza, I would say Garza. If we can go back that far, sure. Um, if we can't go, go back that far, then who says? Who says we can't go back that far? Yeah, I say we can go back that far. If we, yeah, I mean, not a not a lot to choose from in the last couple of days before the deadline. I I guess. Guess I'd hey, go with come, click, or... come click on all our stories. Yeah. Everybody, read our transaction analysis from trades that we are barely <laughs> mustering up the enthusiasm to to even review, to even pick one from. 
Read I, the TAs. I, uh, I enjoyed writing about some of these I did traits. Uh, I did too. I enjoyed reading about them too. Yeah, me too. Um, just not a lot of not a lot of impact ones. Some interesting ones. Um, I kind of wish. I always wish that there would be more uh, buyers who also sell. You know. Yeah. Buyers no, who true. who sell to get better. I like um, the trades that involve uh, major leaguers on both yeah. sides. Yeah, and I, I like I like a team that's contending that that gives up something uh, gives up something short term, something useful now, but just an area of depth for them. Yep. To another team that that needs that, and they upgrade in some area of weakness. We don't really see many of those. Um, I I think it'd be fun if somehow teams didn't have farm systems, <laughs> and they like there was a draft of farm play. Like if if all the players were were developed by some central authority and then there'd be like a draft each year for like you know 23 year olds or whatever mm-hmm. and you'd get your 23 year olds but you just don't you only get your 40 men and then you you just would have to you'd see i think you'd see teams uh in the moment living in the moment a lot more and, and that's what everybody likes everybody likes prospects too though so there's that <laughs> yes people love prospects people like everything baseball's fun um so do you think that the the biggest deal of of august will be as big as the the biggest deal of July yes, this year. Yes, I think I think it will be bigger. bigger. I think it will be significantly bigger. I think that we've got a hot August to come. Mm. All right, get excited, people. Uh, all right, I guess we've we've covered that. <coughs> Great. Uh, so we'll be back with one more show tomorrow. Uh, send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectives dot com. Were there were there emails that address things that we said yesterday that we were going to follow up on? I feel like there were. There were, but we're not going to do it today. Okay, we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, okay. All right, we'll be back.